You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. To the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today, in person, and he's with me every day in spirit, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. What's up, Dolphin fans? Hey, Brain. Miami Dolphins are in first place in the AFC East. First place, baby. Let's go! I am fired up. I I think if you had told me coming in to this season that when the Dolphins went on their bye after week 10, that they would be in sole possession of first place in the AFC East, I'd have told you you were crazy. But here we are. Your Miami Dolphins, seven and three, sitting atop the AFC East all by themselves with the six and three New York Jets and the six and three Buffalo Bills. A half game behind us? Brain, damn, it feels good to be a Dolphin. Damn, it does. And only a half game behind Kansas City for the number one spot. The Dolphins are officially in the race for home field advantage. Let's go. These are, these are things that I just don't know that we'd have been, we'd have expected to be talking about at the beginning of the season. I think we, we both had designs on the Dolphins. Going on a nice little run here, especially in this kind of soft underbelly of the schedule. But seven and three, sitting pretty, feeling nice. And uh, how about a 39 to 17 butt whooping of the Cleveland Browns today, Bryn? Most complete game this this team has played all season by far. Uh, special teams could use a little bit of work, but... You know, a, a couple missed extra points, not a great, you know, opening kickoff coverage. But aside from that, almost a perfect game from the team. I mean, as perfect as you're going to get, really, uh, from from the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. I don't even think Tua played his best game. Um, but then you look at the stats at the end of it and the completion percentage is right where you'd want it to be. 285 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. There were just no big mental errors. And that's, that was the thing that was, that was kind of keeping the Dolphins from really reaching their potential was, are they going to be able to clean up these little mistakes? And for today, at least they did. And they put together a great performance on both sides of the ball. Did it help that the Browns self-destructed a little bit here and there? Of course, that's always going to help. But when you, when you win 39 to 17, that's a complete victory. And, and yeah, it's a complete victory for the Miami Dolphins in a game in which that they didn't even really, it never really felt like they were being, 
I don't know if being tested is the right word, but they never really felt like they were putting their foot all the way down. Like they were never putting the pedal to the floor. You know, it never felt like they were going into whatever that next gear is. It felt like they were able to do this game, you know, win this game in a kind of workmanlike fashion. I mean, and a workmanlike victory when you win 39-17 is, is pretty good. I think that's I think that is the thing that feels so good about what this team is doing right now is that they won this game 39 to 17. They finally got a what is a, a really good complete game. And you can see looking at this game how much further this team could still go, how much better this team could still be than they were today. Because there were still some, there were still some brain farts here and there. You still have Jason Sanders, who we're going to talk about, missing extra points. You still have Mike McDaniel, uh, with getting a little bit too cute for his own good when, when the team is moving downfield. You still have some of that going on. But today, the Dolphins were able to take advantage of what we talked about in our preview show. We talked about the Browns are so, are not really a great team at defending the run, so maybe this is a game where the Dolphins just do the thing on the ground, and you're like, well, we didn't need to get away from what we're good at, which is passing the ball, but the Dolphins ran the ball so effectively today. They ran for 195 yards on 33 carries, and that's including a, uh, you know, a that's including kneel downs, right, from Skylar Thompson, who got some play in this game. That includes a, a, zero, a, no, a no-gain run from Durham Smythe, a no-gain run from Tua. So, well, I mean, those things count. <laughs> so those things count, but, I mean, 195 yards and 33 carries, good for nearly six yards per carry. I mean, this was a, this was a fantastic game. Both Jeff Wilson destroying 17 carries, 119 yards for Jeff Wilson in this game, eight carries for 65 yards for Raheem Mostert. I mean, these that's a seven-yard average, seven-yard per carry average for Wilson, eight and a half yards or eight yards per carry for Raheem Mostert. I mean, this was um, this was a really, really solid performance from the Miami Dolphins and the run game. Yeah, the thing about it, the thing that's really exciting is you see the trajectory. It, this has been building. The, the running game has been slowly, steadily getting better as the season has gone on. And this was like the coming out party for it. Now, can they be, can they be consistent? Can this be something that they can rely on coming down the stretch? That remains to be seen. We'll find that out. We don't know what the answer to that is, but this was a great sign that they were able to do this, uh, because, you know, Tua was, was good in this game, but there were not a, a bunch of huge plays in the passing game. There were a bunch of just steady intermediate throws, short throws, but it, the biggest plays it felt like came on the ground with these big chunk runs, mostly from Wilson and a little bit from Mostert, just huge holes being opened up by the offensive line. And it just looks like things are really gelling on that side of the football. And then it was exciting to see that the defense really stepped up and played well. They, they kept, uh, Nick Chubb in check. Uh, for the most part, ba- basically all game. I mean, he broke out with that that big run 
early in the fourth quarter and and you know that that made things a little bit dicey and certainly made his numbers appear better than I think he was over the course of the game but by and large the Dolphins defense kept the Browns in check early in the in the you know in the first half of this game when the Dolphins you know failed to complete drives and it felt like oh this is another situation where the Dolphins are gonna you know let a team hang around and go into the half behind the defense stepped up. And then ultimately the dolphins took advantage of this game in the, in, in the beginning stages of the third quarter and pulled away to a lead that would really never be challenged. And the defense did a great job. They were a big part of that. So it really a complete victory. Can't say that enough. Yeah. It, it just a really from top to bottom, a very, very solid victory for your Miami Dolphins. So with that said, and we're going to get into, you know, the little bits and pieces about this game in just a moment, but I think, Brain, if there's something that, yep, yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. That's right, Miami Dolphin fans. It is time once again for a Miami Dolphins pulse check, a DolphinsTalk.com pulse check, because we got to check the pulse after this game. Because, uh, listen, it's not every day that the Dolphins go in there and, and, and whoop up on a team and get a nice victory by three scores. Ends up being a pretty comfortable day at the office for the Miami Dolphins. And so now they go into the bye and they're in first place in the AFC East, thanks in part to just some incredible drama in East, in, uh, in, uh, Orchard Park, New York, where the Buffalo Bills looked like they had choked the game away against the Minnesota Vikings, only for the Vikings to out choke them, only for the Bills to find a way to choke it away anyway, then for the Vikings to come all the way back. Uh, I mean, it was back and forth at the end of the game, and it it was incredible. But at the end of the day, Vikings get the win, not only because Josh Allen fumbles a snap late in the game in his own end zone, but also because he throws a terrible interception. This is like three straight weeks where Josh Allen has thrown a terrible interception, and this time he throws it in the end zone in overtime as the Bills lose. All I'm going to say is, that's your MVP? That's your MVP, Bills Mafia? I mean, listen, I'm going to say it. Tua's a better MVP candidate right now than Josh Allen. Yeah, I said it. It's real. But anyway, Bills lose at home to Minnesota, and the Miami Dolphins find themselves in first place heading into the bye. So, Brain, it's time for a pulse check. So how is your pulse right now? So look, anybody that watches or listens to this show on any kind of regular basis, even if you've listened to it only a couple of times, you know that I stay very grounded with this team. And it takes a lot for me to really get excited and fully buy into what this team is doing. But right now, what they did today, what they've done so far this season going into the bye and the way they've set themselves up, I'm impressed, and I don't know how you can be anything other than impressed. Right now, this is one of the best teams in the National Football League. They have It hasn't been pretty every single week. They haven't always 
dominated your their opponents. In fact, this is only the second time this season uh, that they've got a double-digit victory. But they have been, they've weathered the storm with the injuries, obvious injuries to the quarterback position, which have been probably the biggest problem, you know, in that three-game losing streak. Obviously, huge injuries on the back end of the defense in the secondary that they've had to weather and and overcome. And through it all, they've managed to get themselves into first place in the AFC East, just a half game behind the Chiefs for for home field advantage, the number one seed in the AFC. You're going to have a bye week. You're going to have a game against the worst team in the league and the Texans. And then you're going to have a six-game stretch to really position yourselves for the playoffs. And even though that is still a very difficult six-game stretch, the Dolphins are as good as any of those teams that they're going to play in that stretch. And right now, you look at Green Bay, that, that game probably doesn't scare you. A home game against Green Bay right now doesn't scare you. You've got the Jets at home to end the season. Obviously, you know, road games against the Chargers, 49ers, and Bills, that's going to be an extremely difficult tra- test. A, a road game against uh, New England is going to be a really difficult test. But if you win your two home games and you even go one and three in those other games, you're looking at an 11 and six season and you really have a, a legitimate shot at 12 wins at this point. And the way this offense is playing and clicking right now, where I think Thomas Morstead is punted, what, twice in the last three games? Yeah. Homeboy had like a complete day off today. Like, I mean, all he did was hold, hold kicks. I'm impressed. I'm yeah, I am just flat out impressed and the defense stepped up and played well. Do I think that this defense is perfect and do I and am I completely absolving this defense and, you know, have this expectation that the defense is going to somehow become elite when they play better quarterbacks than Jacoby Brissett? No, I don't. But I think this defense is good enough considering what this offense has been capable of and continuing to get better at doing that I think the sky is the limit right now. And I'm impressed. Yeah, me too. I, I it, It's really great. And we want you to tell us how you are feeling about the Miami Dolphins right now. Tell us in one word. If you're watching live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, first off, smash that like button. Second of all, throw it in the comments. Let us know how you're feeling right now in one word. If you're watching on the Dolphins or I am a Miami Dolphins fan Facebook page, thank you for watching live. Go ahead and share in the comments how you're feeling about the team. If you're listening in podcast form, tweet at us at same old Dolphins, at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. Let us know if you're really feeling, if you're really feeling salty, Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and in your review, leave us your pulse check, because we want to hear how you feel about these Miami Dolphins, and we're going to share some of them here up on the screen on the show in just a minute. But first, I got to tell you how I'm feeling about this team right now, and yes, I, I would echo your sentiments, Brain, that we are impressed, but I just feel, I feel great. You know, I feel great about the Miami Dolphins right now. The, the fact, because the fact of the matter is they won this game at a, at a saunter. You know, they, they kind of never really got out of that first gear in this game. And 
they still could have been so much better. I mean, Tua Tungavailoa puts up 285, passes for 285 and three touchdowns. And I didn't think he had like, it wasn't, he wasn't lights out. It wasn't a great game from Tua. I mean, it was a very solid game and it absolutely helped his MVP case that he is building. And I think let's make no mistakes about it. It is a legitimate case right now. For MVP, I think he has a long way to go to, to catch up to Jalen Hurts and, and Patrick Mahomes, but he's a legitimate contender for that award, especially if the Dolphins continue to play football like they're playing. But how about this? How about everybody talks about Tua Tungavailoa is only putting up these big numbers because he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the number one receiver in this game for the Miami Dolphins, Trent Sherfield. How about that? So listen, you, I know that there are people out there that still have their doubts about Tua and that, you know, think it's this thing or the other thing or whatever it is. And, and we have been, we have been, I think, pretty objective in how we have talked about Tua on this show. And quite frankly, I mean, you just look at it right now. You can objectively say that there's absolutely a case for Tua Tungabailoa to be in that MVP discussion. And I will say right now that I just sitting here watching this team after that game today as we record on Sunday night, I feel great about the Miami Dolphins right now. Brain, what are the people watching live saying? I can tell you that uh, Drew at Sats underscore stacked says he's feeling aroused. Oof. And I get it. I mean, I get that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, good, good for him. I, I hope, yeah. uh, you know, I hope he can, they can keep him aroused. Yes, I, I hope that's not just a one and done situation. I hope yeah. they can keep him feeling that way. Keep it up. <laughs> they definitely need to keep it up. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, Brian Newman, he says he's feeling stoked. Love it, Kevin Zjarnik. I hope I pronounced that name. He's optimistic. Fair. Jay Boyd, relieved. Hmm, you know, like if it. you're anything like me, you were nervous coming into this game. Yes. And this is, you know, you're feeling a lot better. You're Both feeling relieved. Were, for sure. Steve Malloy is feeling not fantastic. He's feeling fantastic. Fantastic. I love a pun. Adam Drake, he is ecstatic. And Chris Warnett, he's cheating a little bit. He he made this one word, but I'm going to show it. He's feeling Super Bowl. Rumbo a Super Bowl. I love it. He's feeling good. We're feeling good. We did a little, uh, we, we were dancing to the Latin jazz afterwards in certain corners of the, uh, of the internet. You can probably find some footage of that. We were feeling pretty good after the game between the Dolphins victory and the Bills loss. We were really, really fired up today, but let's get into this game a little bit, brain. Um, we, we, we talked about two. Let's, 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 let's flush that out a little bit because I think that is a, that's a good place to start in talking about this game. Again, to go over his numbers, he was 25 of 32, only seven incomplete passes. A couple of those were drops, uh, for 285 was not sacked through three touchdown passes, finished the game with a QB rating of 135. And again, I didn't think that this was one of his best games. And he still put up a pretty remarkable stat line. Yeah, and if this is going to be Tua on a not-so-sharp day, then he's absolutely in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Right now... With what he's done this season, 
you mentioned he's in the, you know, he's an MVP candidate and you're absolutely right. What he's done this season thus far to this point, he's absolutely been an upper echelon elite quarterback. He's been in the class with, with any great quarterback in this league. Am I ready to put him in that class overall, like season after season? No, I think he's got some proving to do as far as can he stay on the field? Can he lead this team to coming down the stretch in big games? What does he do when he gets to the postseason? But from what he's seen, the things that he can control this season, he's done everything that you could possibly want him to do. And at this point, I think it's a foregone conclusion that at the very least, he's going to get that fifth year option. A hundred percent. Let's talk about his numbers on the season just because, okay? On the season for 2022, he is 151 for 216, a completion percentage of 69.9%. That's really nice. He threw, he's thrown for 1,980 yards, 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions, a quarterback rating of 115.9, and a QBR at this point. Uh, where, where did it go? His QB, well, that it was, was 82.6 coming is, into the game. Yeah, 80, 82.6 is his QBR. So, I mean, that's Which tops was tops in, in the league. league. For comparison's sake, just for poops and piddles, Patrick Mahomes, 219 for 331, 66.2%, is thrown for 2,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, with a QB rating of 103.6. And maybe the most important stat, Tua is 7-0 and when completing a game this season. That's huge, yeah. right? Like you can say a whole lot of things about, you can, you can bend over backwards to try to discredit the numbers that Tua Tungavailoa has put up this season. You can say it's because he's got Tyree Kill. You can say it's because he's got Jalen Wada. You can say it's because he has Mike McDaniel, whatever. The point is, first of all, no quarterback is doing it anywhere without at least some supplementary help. You have to have it. Look at We've Aaron Rodgers. Look at Aaron Rodgers right now, right? You got to you got to have some help first of all. But second of all, all of those things you can say them and whatever. It is what it is. At the end of the day, the fact that the Miami Dolphins have not lost a game this season when Tua Tagovailoa has started and finished the game is amazing. The fact that what are they now? 14 and 1 in their last 15 games with Tua Tungavailoa starting and finishing the game. Starting and finishing the game. I mean that's there is something there. There is an X factor and that's one of the things that we talked about with Tua Tungavailoa. It's it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on it, but he does seem to have that X factor. That 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 it factor. That fact that way of digging it out and finding those wins. And that and when you watch how much cleaner he's playing right now than what he has in the past, that's really exciting to see. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can sit here and go, the sky is the limit with this guy right now. And for the Miami Dolphins, again, it's it's an exciting time to be a fan of the Dolphins. Yeah, and it, it was mentioned on the telecast prior to the game, and I don't know if it was something that he said recently or if this is a sentiment that has been echoed by Tua, but essentially what he said was, 
look, he's had good games before and, you know, he's felt like he's kind of gotten into the zone, but he's finally gotten to a, pl- a point now where he really feels comfortable and confident in his ability and at ease with this, with this offense and just, you know, is feeling confident. In, in what he can do and what this offense can do. And it exudes onto the field now. You're not seeing any second guessing. I said this went back when I watched his tape at the height of the pandemic, when I watched every single snap that Tua took in college after Miami drafted him. And I said, there were points in Tua's junior year uh, which was his final year before he got hurt, where it looked like he was thinking too much. Mm. And even though he was putting up really great numbers, he wasn't really at his sharpest. But there were also times where he kind of threw caution to the wind and he just let his instincts take over. And he's a very instinctual player. And that is kind of the X factor. That's the thing that was missing in a Ryan Tannehill who had all the physical traits, but he just didn't have those football instincts. Tua has those football instincts, even while you could probably say doesn't have quite the physical tools that Ryan Tannehill does. Yeah. Um, but he's clearly a better quarterback because of those. And that is the X factor. And that is the thing that the Dolphins quarterbacks that they've had since Marino have not had, save for probably Chad Pennington. And that was a Chad Pennington towards the end of his career who just really was limited physically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish. I was just going to say, even that Chad Pennington, because of his instincts, rode himself, rode the Dolphins to the playoffs. Granted, we also had the Wildcat and it was a little bit of a fluky year, but finished second hey. in the league in MVP voting that year. And that just goes to show you the quarterback position is not all about arm strength and, you know, laser beam throws like 30 yard outs. It's about knowing where your guys are going to be. Uh, anticipating where the defense is going to be, getting the ball out on time where it's supposed to be. And those are the things that Tua is doing at an elite level right now. And that is his special trait. Yeah. And it's, it's truly fantastic. He found eight different Miami Dolphins receivers in this game. Eight different uh, guys caught passes in this game. I, I misspoke earlier when I said Trent Sherfield was the Dolphins leading receiver in this game. Uh, Jalen Waddle, uh, had 66 yards to Sherfield 63. So uh, I, I apologize for that. Uh, you can tweet at me and bury me. I apologize for getting that stat wrong. The fact oh. of the matter is. Tua sucks. Yeah, yeah, clearly. That's, <laughs> he that's, sucks without Waddle. Yeah, clearly. without Waddle, he's just, he's just nothing, right? He's just a zero. So <laughs> there we go. So uh, yeah, Tua, another very solid game from Tua. And the offense was good as well. Except, Brain, I guess we should talk about uh th- th- this play calling here because we 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 talked about we talked about the run game the run game was fantastic today let's give a shout out before we talk about the play calling though because i think it needs to be said the offensive line um teron armstead is a beast he's a monster okay this guy is just a monster a fan another fantastic game worth every single penny that the dolphins paid for him, and even though he missed, you know, essentially two games for the Dolphins, uh, it, it has absolutely been worth it. 
to have him because he is a difference maker. Uh, Connor Williams, I think had a, had a, had that the one bad snap in this game, but I think he's been very solid. I thought the offensive line as a whole really did a great job. I mean, there were some enormous run running lanes for Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert in this game. And some of them, you know, maybe it's because as we mentioned, the Browns are one of the worst teams in the league in, in defensive DVOA in terms of defending the run. But this offensive line, put in the work today. They kept to a clean and made sure that there was room for these guys to run. So an outstanding performance from the Miami Dolphins offensive line. Yeah, great performance by the offensive line. Not just, you know, opening up running lanes, but protecting Tua. Like, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot in the in the pre-show about the, what the Browns can do defensively, but they've got two of the better defensive ends in the league in Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. And those guys were kept quiet all game long. And obviously a big part of that is being able to run the ball and then, you know, Tua getting rid of the ball quickly. But those guys really didn't make any kind of impact in this game. And that's, you know, a great job by Teron Armstead. That's a great job by Brandon Shell. It's a great job by the offensive line in general. It's the coaching staff. It's, it's Tua. It was a real team effort. Um, but I'll also say as far as running the football, Yes, this offensive line is clearly gelling. They're clearly playing better. But you got to give these backs some credit, too, because this offense, this rushing offense with this scheme, it relies a lot on the running backs showing patience and vision. And then when they see the hole being decisive and Mostert and Wilson have done a great job you know, every opportunity they've gotten, Mostert has done it all season long, and Wilson has done it since he got here last week of really feeling the flow, letting the play develop, and then deciding which gap to run through and just exploding through it. Um, because sometimes those, granted, there were some plays in this game where the holes were huge. I could have run, run through them and looked amazing. But there were other times where it really didn't look like there was a lot of room to run, and they were still able to pick up four, five, six yards. That's how you you know, really have a great running game. Sure. Is it great when you can break off 20, 30 yard runs and, and hit those big chunk plays? Sure. But it's those four, five, six yard runs when it doesn't look like there's anything there that really keep drives going and keep the defenses honest. Because if those are one yard gains or no gains or one yard losses, that's where you get put behind the sticks and that's where you can get into trouble. And that's where, you know, when the Dolphins have gotten into trouble, it's generally been because they've fallen behind the sticks and they've been on second and long when this team's gotten into second and third and short situations they've been money pretty much all all season long so the the running back yes the offensive line absolutely deserves a ton of credit but these backs deserve credit too all the people talking about when are the dolphins going to draft a running back when are the dolphins going to you know value this position they value this position but they know that they can find talent without using high draft picks and you're seeing it and there is no reason to change that. Yeah, it's a it is it is solid all around. So I do want to get into what is I think I guess a little nitpick if if anything in terms of the offense. But before I do that, I want to remind everybody that you should go over to trueclassic.com and get yourself some of the best fitting men's t-shirts 
on the market. Trueclassic.com, excellent t-shirts. I'm actually wearing a True Classic under my Jalen Waddle jersey tonight. It's a it's a white shirt. It's great because it's fit, nice and snug in the chest and shoulders, but it's a little bit looser in the belly. So it's highlighting your best attributes. So if you go over to trueclassic.com and you use the promo code Dolphins Talk, you'll save 25% off of your order. Whether you're getting a single t-shirt, whether you're getting a pack of t-shirts, which is a great th- a great way to save some money on some shirts, whether you're getting some fl- some pants, some outerwear, whatever it is, underwear, all kinds of great products over there, trueclassic.com. But if you use the promo code Dolphins Talk, you're going to save 25% off of your order. If you're looking for a great gift for the holidays for somebody, I can't recommend True Classic highly enough, especially for that guy in your life. They're going to like it. They're going to love it. In fact, trueclassic.com, promo code Dolphins Talk to save 25% off your order. And if, you, if you've got over $100 worth of clothes in your shopping cart, you're going to get free shipping as well. So head over to, again, trueclassic.com, promo code Dolphins Talk. Additionally, we're going to invite you to head over to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Dolphins Talk to save 20% off your order. You'll get free shipping on the best men's below the belt grooming products on the market. They've got the razors, they've got the clippers, but they've also got the liquid formulations, the shampoo, the body wash, the lip balm, the boxer shorts, all kinds of amazing products over there at manscaped.com. You can't go wrong. So it's fresh ball fall right now, still. Technically, even though it's getting really cold up where I live in New York, we're doing this show in Tampa together as we were here for a family reunion uh, this weekend. But up up, up there, it's really starting to see your season, seeing the seasons change. So it's fresh ball fall. You want to make sure that your balls are fresh. So head to manscaped.com, promo code Dolphins Talk, save 20% off your order and get free shipping worldwide. You cannot beat that with a stick. And again, a reminder, subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Go ahead, turn on notifications as well. Smash the like button on this video. We appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast and make sure you're visiting dolphinstalk.com each and every day, multiple times because we're covering the news as it happens. Speaking of which, Mike... And Tom, who you know, who typically do the post-game wrap-up show, are not doing the post-game wrap-up show on Sunday because they were at the game in Miami in the press box. They're going to be doing a live show on Monday to recap their experience at Hard Rock Stadium. I know that I believe that they were at the pregame tailgate show, uh, the tailgate party, and they had a really great time there. And then they were in the press box during the game. And uh, so they're going to be recapping all of that on Monday. So make sure you're subscribed on to the podcast, to the YouTube channel. Make sure you've got that subscription happening so you don't miss any of this content that's coming your way here from the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Let's get into this little nitpick here on the offense, Brent. It's it's the play calling from Mike McDaniel. He is, first of all, this guy has built an offense that is awesome to watch. It is a lot of fun. You see the moving pieces. You see how he is constantly putting defenders in conflict, how he is confusing them and keeping them off balance. He's designed a great offense. Mm -hmm. But every so often, the Dolphins will be moving the ball down the field And he will decide to get a little cute. And more often than not, when that happens, the dolphin, it ends up really being the dolphins shooting themselves in the foot. So, uh, in this particular game, the first time we saw it was on the dolphins second drive of the game. They were moving down the field. They had a first and 10 at the Cleveland 25 yard line and they do the, uh, 
the reverse. They get the ball to Cedric Wilson, who's looking to pass. And he is a receiver who is open down the field, but for whatever reason decides, I don't know if he's questioning his ability to make the pass or what, decides to hold on to the ball, ends up getting hit, tackled, loss of five yards, and it essentially kills the drive for the Dolphins. They end up having to settle for a field goal there. Not the end of the world. The problem is that the Dolphins are moving the ball really well on that whole drive. Six-yard run, 29-yard pass, 14-yard run, two-yard run. They're moving the ball down the field. And then they decide to get a little cute, and it stunts it, right? It stunts the drive. On their very next possession, again, Dolphins moving the ball, 20-yard pass, two-yard run, 13-yard run, nine-yard run. You get the second and one down at the Cleveland 14, and then they decide to... Well, you get Mostert runs up the middle and gets stuffed. Right, so no you're game. in, you're in thir- third and one. Nope, no, no issue with that. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. But on the next down, they, you get Durham Smythe going under center and trying to get a yard and it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And then on fourth down, you're running up the middle with Jeff Wilson, but no fullback. Right. Let's also remember that there was a time where it ended up not biting the Dolphins in the butt, but they got down to a goal-to-go situation at like the two or three-yard line, and they decide to go five wide. Right. So, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to keep the other team off balance, but sometimes these decisions to get a little cute can disrupt the rhythm that this team has built up on offense and that when they are clicking and you are putting the ball in your quarterback's hand and letting him make things happen, um, it's working. And there's no need to get cute when the offense is working perfectly well as it's supposed to, as it's designed to work. Um so it's a little nitpick. It did not end up biting the Dolphins in the butt. It allowed the Browns to kind of hang around in the first half um, of this game. But ultimately, like I said, it didn't bite the Dolphins in the butt this time. But it's it, this is something that has it, it's happened a few times over the past several games. And again, it hasn't yet really bitten the Dolphins in the butt. But that is some, it's one of those little things that you look at and you go, maybe this is getting a little too cute for its own good. And there could come a time where the Dolphins may ultimately regret going away from what is working so well for them. It's definitely one of those things where if it works, you look brilliant. Right. Um, and if it doesn't work, you, you're open. You leave yourself open to being second guessed. Sure. Um, but it's definitely something that we've, we've seen a little bit of a trend um, where sometimes they're getting too cute. Um, I think you can kind of save that a little bit for when you're going up against defenses that are having a harder time handling what you're doing. Because if you're moving the ball at will against them, then you really don't need to get cute. Mm-hmm. And that, that I guess is, is the, is the issue. It's not like this is a, you know, happening against a team that has a great defense that right. it's a, you know, it's a struggle and you anticipate it being difficult to put up points. So when you get an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to pull off a play like that and come up with a big play that, that can put six on the board, uh, you know, go for it. But, you know, do you need to do that in a game like this? against an inferior opponent that's bad on defense. You're rushing the and ball you, at will. And you put yourself in, because they they were at risk at, you know, at the end of this first half 
of being in another situation where they had kind of dominated the football game, but were going to go into halftime either trailing or or with a tied football game. And it kind of looked like it was going to be that Minnesota game all over again. Now, granted, they, they really stepped up, uh, at the end of the, at the end of the half, coming up with a big time touchdown, uh, before halftime. And then the defense, you know, not allowing the Browns to do anything. The Browns go moving backwards with penalties going into the half. Uh, and then the Dolphins, coming out to start the second half and driving right down and scoring a touchdown. That stretch is ultimately, I think, what won this football game. It was the most important stretch of the game. But prior to that stretch were those two possessions that kind of let the Browns hang around in a game where the Dolphins, where it felt like the Dolphins had opportunities to really jump on them early. And so it felt like we were going to see that same old Dolphins kind of story happen. Uh, but they really, I mean, from that point on, they showed up. So it is a nitpick, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Another nitpick that I don't know at this point if it's a nitpick is Jason Sanders. Oh, boy. Because. Yeah, we got to talk about this. You miss two extra points in a 22-point victory, and it's not a big deal. Right. Because it didn't cost you anything, and it really, it's going to be an afterthought. It's going to be swept under the rug amidst all of the positive that happened in this football game. But this is a disturbing trend, and this is something that has to get fixed because the games are going to get bigger, and this feels like it's a mental thing. It doesn't feel like it's a physical thing. He's obviously got the ability to kick field goals. He's obviously got the ability to kick extra points. So when you start missing extra points and you start missing them consistently and missing short field goals consistently, it is a mental thing. And that's something that if it doesn't get fixed, the Dolphins are not going to be able to rely on their field goal kicker coming down the stretch. So can this be something that is just a hiccup that they, that Jason Sanders can overcome and he can be at least somewhat reliable coming down the stretch? Or is this going to be a recurring theme that ultimately factors into decision-making in key games, in key moments of key games down the stretch? Yeah. And it's just, it's certainly a worrying trend and it seems that he has certainly fallen off. I mean, in, for his career, he's an 82.2% field goal kicker. This season, he's 73.3%, right? He's 11 for 15. That's a little worrying. The fact, especially considering one of the misses was from what? What was with like 29 yards in the last game, right? He is not yet this season connected on a field goal of more than 50 yards, which is something that you worry about. Now he's been money from 40 to 49, right? He's been money there, but extra points, he's missing extra points. He uh, has, and he's missed that chip shot field goal. There seems to be a confidence thing with Jason Sanders right now that you're really worrying about. And, you know, and I was making the joke, I think I made the joke on Twitter that he's going to get cut this week. He's going to be going to get cut tomorrow. I mean, at the end of the day, the question is, is there somebody else out there just on the waiver wire that the Dolphins can bring in that is going to be better than Jason Sanders. And I don't know what the answer to that question is. Is probably not. No. But then again, Jason Sanders 
is performing like a replacement level place kicker. And, you know, if you're going to have a replacement level place kicker, you know, theoretically, by very, by its very definition, you can replace him with anybody. Right. The, di- the difference there is that, you know, you've also seen him play at a higher than replacement level. Right. Uh, is he going to be, look, is he going to be back next season with the contract that he has? No. He's, he's done. Like they're not. Unless, unless there is a significant course correction. I I don't, I don't even see how with any change of course, you're going to bring back Jason Sanders because you're only paying him to be an elite kicker. And at this point, I don't know how, what he can do over the last seven games of the season that's going to show that's going to erase what he's done for the last year and a half to make you really believe that he's worth the money that you're spending there so you're probably going to you're you're probably going to get rid of Jason Sanders at the end of the season and you're going to be looking to bring in a, a a cheaper option at at place kicker next year but as far as this year I think the the pathway to having reliability at that position, the most likely scenario is Jason Sanders just correcting this and becoming at the very least a solid kicker to to end the season. Somebody that you can at least somewhat rely on. Now, if this is something that continues week after week and it's just become apparent, like you can't count on this guy, then at that point, you you got to replace him with anybody, anybody that can come in and has their mind right and can just get hot. Because a lot of times, what you've seen with Jason Sanders is like when you're when you're hot, then you're you're making all these field goals. Now, are they going to have the same touchback uh, prowess? Are they going to you know kick balls out of the end zone? Are they going to kick with this the same kind of hang time? Are they you know are they going to have the same leg? No, but at the end of the day. You need to have some reliability at that position. Uh, I just don't know that you're going to get anything off the scrap heap that's going to be any kind of improvement off of him. So you just need to hope that it corrects itself. I, I think you just have to ride it out. And maybe he needs to take this this week off, talk to a psychologist, or just get away from football in general and just clear his mind. And do whatever he does in the offseason to kind of get his mind right because he seemed like he was money in the preseason. Yeah. And and hopefully this thing corrects itself. Maybe he needs to hang out with Mike McDaniel and Tyreek Hill. I mean, it seems to have worked wonders for, for Tua Tunga Bailoa. Yeah. Maybe he needs to hang out with Ricky Williams and get some of that medicinal marijuana. Yeah. And then uh and then you can say that maybe some of the stat correction will be baked in. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Uh, I'll be here for another few hours. Uh, let's talk about some other things that come away from this game. Let's talk about the defense, because I think the defense had a pretty good game here as well, despite that opening drive not being particularly good. But other than that, I thought the defense stood up pretty well, um, aside from the one big 33-yard run that Nick Chubb broke towards the end of the game to run in for a touchdown, which seems like no matter who we're playing, somebody's going to break one big run. I mean, Jacoby Brissett actually ran the ball quite a bit as well. So that is continuing the trend of quarterbacks running, running for big yards against us. I'm not going to worry about it too much because the Dolphins clearly weren't thinking about trying to stop Jacoby Brissett from running the ball. But in this game, we really started to see the impact that Bradley Chubb could make on that defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. And as it turns out, it's going to be very important going forward because Emmanuel Ogba 
left the game with an arm injury that we have since learned was a triceps injury. It will require surgery and he is going to miss the rest of the season. So the Dolphins now don't have Emmanuel Ogba. And I know that Emmanuel Ogba hasn't had a great season and there are probably somebody out there going, well, he hasn't really played at all this season anyway, but you're losing that significant presence on the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins. So now you're going to have, uh, really to see what Bradley Chubb can bring for you because now he's the guy that's there. He's the one that's going to have to make the make those plays and bring the pressure. He did get a half sack today, combining with Jalen Phillips. Um, they combined for one of the three sacks that the Dolphins laid down. On, or I'm sorry, it was Christian Wilkins, It's not, not Jalen Phillips. Uh, right. But they sacked Jacoby Brissett three times today. So I thought the, the defensive line did well. Um, I, I got to shout out the the secondary as well. I mean, they they had their moments, but the fact is they lost Keon Crossan in this game to an injury. And again, they managed to make do with Cater Kohu, who had quite a few really great plays. He also showed some plays where he showed some of his inexperience out there. But again, I thought another solid game all around from this very shorthanded Dolphins secondary. And listen, at the end of the day, they only gave up 17 points to the Cleveland Browns, a team that, you know, has been has shown that they're capable of of putting up some big offensive numbers. So at the end of the day, to only give up 17 points to Cleveland, you take that all day long. And maybe it's the home road splits continuing for this defense. But hey, I'm going to take it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it was a, 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 a really good game overall played by the defense, uh, especially considering uh, the, you know, the beat up secondary, uh, the Ogba injury. What I'll say about it is that obviously it's going to put more of a focus on what Phillips and Chubb bring to the table. But to me, the guy that ultimately is going to get more playing time for it is going to be Melvin Ingram. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, Chubb and Phillips both have the ability to put their hand in the dirt and play stand up outside linebacker, you know, edge rusher. And I think Melvin Ingram is the only other guy that has that ability. And what you're losing in, uh, Emmanuel Ogba is a guy that is primarily going to play with his hand in the dirt as, uh, as a traditional, uh, defensive end and the Dolphins don't really have that other guy. Now, obviously with Ogba going to, to IR and, you know, it's season ending triceps injury. Um, there, there are, they're going to elevate somebody and they had the, you know, the early report from Barry Jackson, not even a report, but just kind of something to keep in your back pocket is one of the guys that they could consider is a guy that was on this roster. Uh, going into the training camp and before the season. And that was Brennan Scarlett, who was released on an injury settlement. He's now healthy. He knows the, the defense and he plays that position. So I think it's going to be either Scarlett or it could be, uh, it could be Cameron Good, uh, or it could be they could elevate Ben Stilly again. Um, I think those are the guys that you're going to be looking at, but you're not going to be asking those guys to play a ton of snaps. The guy that I think is going to get more playing time because of it is Melvin Ingram. And honestly, that might not be a bad thing. 
No, because he's had he's been very impactful and turned out to be a very good signing for these Miami Dolphins this year. So um, we're going to be doing a midseason awards segment as we get together with uh, Mike and Tom and Big E later this week on the DolphinsTalk.com staff roundtable. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is, you know, how the front office has fared and you got to look at it and say, you know, for the most part, these signings that they brought in have, have really worked out for the Miami Dolphins. And I mean, look at, look at the high impact of, of the Jeff Wilson trade, the Tyreek Hill trade. I mean, it's all coming together in, in a big way for this Dolphins team. So, uh, you know, shout out to Chris Greer. I know a lot of people and the brain included. I know you don't love Chris Greer, but you know, in this instance, he's done pretty well for himself. Look, the team the team is where they need to be right now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat up Chris Greer on a day like this. No, I've absolutely. got the I, I can beat up Chris Greer all season and I can wait for the Dolphins to lose a key game uh and and save that for another time. But right now, I'm not gonna say anything negative about Chris Greer. All I'm going to say about this team is the same thing that I've said the last two weeks, which is when you make the move. To, to bring in Bradley Chubb, you trade away the draft picks, you give him the huge contract extension that you gave him, you have raised your expectation and it is no longer acceptable just to be a fringe playoff team or a team that is happy to get to the playoffs or even get to the playoffs and win a game. Your expectation now is to be a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying it's necessarily a fair expectation to expect this team to win the Super Bowl, but you should be in contention to win the Super Bowl. And it should, this team th- should expect to be playing in the Super Bowl at the end of the year, because you don't make that move if you don't. So we'll see. They're, they're showing strides. They're where they want to be. They're in first place in their division and they're a half game out of, out of first place in the entire AFC. Still a long way to go. You still have seven more games to play. You still have eight more weeks. We're basically at the halfway point in the regular season. So you don't win championships, uh, you know, in the second week in November, but you can put yourself in position. So now that we have put ourselves in position, let's take a moment and really enjoy where we're at. Enjoy the process that it's taken to get here, but then also not rest on our laurels as fans and just be accepting of this team, you know, being what they've been in the past. The level of expectation should be raised with this team based not only on how they've played, but on how the team has been built and on the moves that they have made this offseason and in the middle of this season. So if if we're, you know, if we're going to nitpick, we're nitpicking because it's not okay for this team to go 10 and 7. It's not okay for this team to be, you know, battling for a wild card and, you know, maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. This team needs to be an upper echelon team come January. Mm-hmm. Right now, they are an upper echelon team and they need to keep that up. Yes. So that that is the hope that they're going to be able to carry that through. The fact of the matter is we're going into the bye we're sitting at seven and three. The Dolphins are currently the 
what I think the number two seed in the AFC at this moment. They are, uh, you know, they've defeated the Buffalo Bills. They're sitting in first place in the AFC East. And you're feeling good about this team because as well as they've performed, there's, they can still be so much better, right? Are we saying that this is a, you know, a team that is definitely going to go to the Super Bowl and they're definitely the best? You know, the best team in the AFC. I don't know that we're saying that. Or am I also, am, I'm also not saying at this point that they're not going to end up being the same old Dolphins. You know, there's still plenty of time that that can happen. It's a little bit too early to be celebrating Super Bowls at this point because we haven't won anything. It's only the middle of the season. We're still only 10 games in. We've got seven more regular season games to go. And then we got the postseason, potentially, if we get there. So there's a long way to go. But at the end of the day, we've been Miami Dolphin fans for our entire lives. And we have sat through a lot of mediocre football. And there were times where we could only dream of the Miami Dolphins playing the kind of football that they are playing at this moment right now. So the fact is, you have to enjoy it. Whether you have doubts and reservations about this team's ceiling, totally fair. Whether you have doubts and reservations that this is sustainable, totally fair. But what you can't doubt is that this team is a whole heck of a lot more fun to watch right now than they have been at any time in the past 20 years, with the exception maybe of that Wildcat season in 2008. Other than that, we have sat through and watched a lot of really miserable, mediocre football. So right now, I'm telling you, if you're a Dolphin fan, you should be feeling happy, you should be feeling confident, and you should be enjoying the fact that your Miami Dolphins are 7-3. and three. Don't worry about narratives from people out there who are going to tell you that your team doesn't deserve this or that you're not real or that it's padded or that it's this that or the other thing who cares enjoy it for yourself because this is a lot of fun and your Miami Dolphins are in first place in the AFC East and that is pretty damn great brain anything else you want to say Look, all, all, all season long, we talked about, you know, the formula and how the way this schedule breaks down and how, you know, the Dolphins needed to get to the point where when they get to uh, 11 games into the season that they're at the very least seven and four. Well, at the very least, they will be seven and four. And considering they're going to be coming off of a bye week and they're going to be playing the Houston Texans, they really should be eight and three. And you you look at the way this season shapes up, there is really no, there's no reason this team shouldn't make the playoffs. I mean, this would be a pretty monumental collapse. I know the AFC is really competitive, and I know that they're you know look if if the Chargers hold on to this game against San Francisco, like the rest of the AFC is still pretty deep, and we're sitting there like only a game away from from being on the outside looking in I get that but with what the Dolphins have talent wise and what this team has looked like 
the expectation should be that this team is not just a playoff team, but it's an upper echelon team at this point. So, uh, look, they're, they're right on track for where you'd want to be, even as the most, even the, the biggest Dolphins detractor. I, I, like, I'm not, I'm clearly not one of the more positive Dolphins. Well, I'll, say, mean, I'll say that. I won't say that I'm the most negative fan, but I'm certainly probably negative leaning as far as if I was looking at it objectively based on, you know, the, the comments that I get on Twitter. Uh, the, the, um, listen, Twitter and uh, YouTube commenters say that you are not a real fan. Do you see this starter jacket? I I mean, I see it. It's beautiful. It is glorious. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm just. I Did mean, you see the way that I I'm was. Not, di- I'm not saying that you're not a well, real fan. I'm saying that there are people on the Internet and they know who they are that have accused you of not being a real fan because you've been maybe in their minds um, hypercritical of the team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Is it fair that I've been hypercritical or it's fair that to say that they think that I'm negative it's fair to say that they think that you're being hypercritical okay yeah that's fair to say and so what i'll say is as somebody who's been accused of being hypercritical that's all this team is doing everything that it should be doing right Mm, now mm. they have met expectations Mm -hmm. to this point in the season but now after the bye week and we're going to enjoy this and we're going to do a little bit of salsa dancing that's right. And we're going to really enjoy this. We're going to rumble a Super Bowl. That's right. And 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 we're going to feel good about things. Let's go. I'm and hopefully right now. and hopefully next week we'll be uh mm. doing a little bit more rumble a Super Bowl on the bye week, baby. Well, not well, not yeah, and the bye week and then against Houston. I'm going to rumble a Super Bowl in the bye week. And then when we get to that stretch, I don't care that we got, you know, three road games in a row against the Chargers, 49ers, and Bills. You think I'm afraid of Justin Herbert? It's it's time to not be afraid of those teams. That's it's right. time to say like, hey, those teams should be afraid of us. Bring it. They should be afraid of the best wide receiver in football and one of the best oh. quarterbacks in football. Oh, yes. An emerging running game and a defense that sports – not just Jalen Jalen Phillips. Let's go. But also a full chub and Bradley Chubb. Let's go. The Dolphins look legit right Let's now. Let's go. So right now, the Dolphins have met expectations. Let's raise those expectations. And hopefully the Dolphins will meet that bar. Let's go. Brain, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. You're fired up. I'm fired yeah. up. The fans are fired up. Dolphins Nation is fired up. We are ready to go into this bye at 7-3. and three. Your first place, Miami Dolphins. That's right. Your first place, Miami Dolphins. So enjoy this victory Monday and enjoy the week off next weekend. A weekend where you can sit back, relax, maybe watch a little Red Zone. If you're like me, you got the Sunday ticket. You got the mixed channel on. So you got all the eight games you're flipping around. Or maybe you're, uh, you know, being productive and actually like not watching football on Sunday because, you know, that, that, that has its benefits too. So whatever it is, enjoy. And, uh, hey, let's go Dolphins. Yeah. Let's go Dolphins. So a reminder, once again, make sure you're following us. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron 
the brain. Let me put it up there so you can see it. There it is, at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere that you get your podcast. Like this video, smash the subscribe button, turn on notifications so you know when we go live. Visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day, multiple times. And yeah, keep feeling good, Miami Dolphins fans, because your Miami Dolphins are in first place, and it is a beautiful thing. So as always, as we head into the bye week, take care of yourselves and each other. And as always, Go Dolphin! God, I hope I haven't jinxed this team. <laughs> <laughs>